There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello there and welcome to So I Got To Thinking, your weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are listening to Juno Dawson, Dylan B. Jones, and this week we're so excited because we're joined by one of my absolute faves. It's my good friend, the writer and now television presenter and campaigner, it's Miss Charlie Craggs. Hiya, Charlie. Hey! <laughs> How are oh, you? Hey. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, actually. I feel like I'm coping with lockdown better than everyone I know, just because I'm. I had no friends in school, so I'm used to being on my own. <laughs> oh my <laughs> I, had, I had seven years of training for this. I'm good. This is a walk in the park. How are you both coping with it? Yeah. All right. Um, oh, must must be nice to have friends in school, guys. No. <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah. That's what you get. I think what I've realised in the last couple of weeks in particular is the privilege of being in a relationship during lockdown which is don't get me wrong I've missed my friends I miss all the work stuff that I used to do um but there's always been someone you know even them you know sometimes it's been quite difficult um yeah you know I've never never once have I been by myself and I keep thinking back to there are people who have lived by themselves pretty much for a year now and and I don't know why it's taken me nearly a year to recognize the enormous privilege of being in a relationship during the pandemic Lovato but um but yeah so that that has really hit home so I'm feeling quite grateful and hopefully now by the time we're listening to this episode the end should be in sight. Oh, wow. What mm. a thought. What a thought. <laughs> We've said it before, though. We have. We have said it before. We'll see. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, it has been we'll an absolute see. pleasure spending season three with our listeners to get us through lockdown three. Um, it has been <clears throat> a gift and your messages have cheered us up no end. And so thank you for joining us. And of course, we come to the season yeah. three finale. It's Cock-a-Doodle-Doo. Oh, and I would say, so Obviously, we've been, we've, been, we've been running this podcast for nearly two years now. Right at the right at the beginning, Dylan and I said, right, who do we want as guests? Right, obviously, Charlie Craggs. And we were like, but wait. 
<laughs> there, is only, there is only one episode that Charlie can come and do. I was offended because I told you when you first sprang out, I was like, yes, this is the best thing ever. And I followed and everything. And then I was like, they're asking everyone but me. Like, I'm literally, I'm here. I'll do it for free. Like, I'm I'm down. And I'm like, why are they not asking me? But it makes a lot of sense now. So I waited three seasons and I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> it, it was like, just like, like the great writers of our time. Yeah. <laughs> You plan your twists, and we always yeah. knew at the end of series three, that's when Charlie Craggs is going to arrive. This episode has been hanging over us, like, for the whole... Because season three is really fucking good. Yeah. But, like, we just knew that it ended with this. Yeah. So... <laughs> um, Go on, Dylan, give us a potted synopsis. Okay, so Carrie's getting back... We're not getting back together with, but she's meeting up with with Big mm-hmm. for like the first time in a while and Miranda is I think rightly like not happy and is like look I'm not going to be you know I'm not going to hold your hand through this again but we'll get to that and they get in an argument Charlotte and Trey have broken up so Charlotte's dealing with the fallout from that and the women the four ladies being really supportive of her and Samantha has some noisy neighbours, <laughs> shall we say. Oh. Yeah, the turf jumped out. The turf jumped all the way. So let's do... So <laughs> I think a bit like when... Obviously, previously this episode, we also had to tackle race with Candice Carty-Williams. Um, yeah. It feels ridiculous to not get the elephant in the room dealt with first. So let's... Yeah, let's normally we start with Carrie, but actually this week I'm going to suggest hell to that. Let's start with Samantha because... Let's do it. It's really, really important for me to know <laughs> that our listeners are watching that episode of television in 2021 and can recognise it's astonishingly transphobic. I, oh, mm. I just punched my face. Um, that's how angry, transphobic that's how stop being transphobic to yourself do you know assaulted myself by watching this that's episode. what watching this that's what watching this episode has done to um, you. I, just, I just sat and watched this episode with max and even max was like <gasps> like my yeah. my cisgender male fiance was gasping like and i yeah. i must yeah. admit do you know what i knew this episode was bad but i'd forgotten just how bad so let's do it you know let's let's ring the alarm and let's address the transphobia so to put it into context if you've not seen the episode for a while as we remember halfway through the season samantha was hounded out of her building for being fuckenstein um because her nighttime shenanigans led to the mugging of an old lady. And she left that building and moved to the trendy meatpacking district. But like any bitch who is actively gentrifying a rundown part of a major city, of course, the $7,000 a month apartments are, of course, in a place where there is also extreme poverty. And Samantha is sharing her new address with a group of transgender sex workers so far, so good. Um, and in fact, when she moves in, Samantha seems quite excited that there are transgender people in her neighbourhood. She waves to Willem, if we remember. Um, but now they're keeping her up on a night. As someone who is quite precious about sleep, that's where my sympathy with Samantha ends with this episode. I don't like being disturbed on a night either. <laughs> However, she doesn't handle it very well. You can handle transgender neighbours without being transphobic. Samantha does not do that. And neither does neither do her friends who who respond appallingly as well. That fucking 
is it brunch when they're all sitting around? Why do all the worst conversations when they're all sitting around at brunch? Like just every word of it. It was it was like do you remember when we did the bisexuality yes. episode with Essie and Essie was like, I got whiplash from how bad it was. And I was like the same with this. I was like, oh my God, and again, and again, and again, and again. Like mm. and it's interesting. It was written by Michael Patrick King a gay man who presumably had trans friends, although from this episode, I'm thinking maybe not. Um, I, what, one of, obviously we see how awful Mm. this is. Something I wondered, which you two might be able to shed some light on, is I wonder how transgender people saw this at the time. Mm. I mean, it's hard to say. So when I first saw this, I would have been in university. I was so far off understanding what it was to be a trans woman. And it was piss poor representation like this that made it hard for me to recognise myself as a trans woman. Because I'm guessing, I don't know, but I'm guessing the three performers were cis men. Mm. Mm. I might check that in a minute. I think there was a trans one because she had boobs uh, and she died of cancer. Um, It was... At the end, the girl who's in like the little light blue tracksuit, like little thing, I don't know. But I read that she died and I read she was trans because she had a boob job. Okay. So, I, but so the I others were definitely, the others I'd say were cis, like Williams yeah. obviously cis and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we, so we have, I mean, I mean, what a role to play for her. You know, mm. what happens when you get that script as a trans actress? And this is, 21 years ago now, you know, I'm thinking of her contemporaries in the industry, you know, Candice Kane at that point had not appeared on um, Dirty Filthy Money. Um, We had mostly cis men. We had David Duchovny playing trans on Twin Peaks. So usually when you saw a trans woman on television, it was somebody being played by a cis man. Um, Mm. And at the time I didn't, when I was 19 years old, I didn't connect the dots that what what Carrie and Samantha were saying is wild. Like, Carrie repeatedly says they're half men, half women. Mm. You know, mm. was, was our understanding of trans lives so shit 20 years ago that it was acceptable that that was, was that the mainstream's understanding of a trans woman? Maybe it was. Maybe that was genuinely what, you know, I mean, God, um, Charlotte even says, you know, what's a T word? You know, she doesn't even know what they're referring to. Oh, God, it's so difficult. You know, let's let's look at some other transgender representation of the 90s. We've got the actress Sean Young playing a transgender serial killer in Ace Ventura. We've got a cisgender man playing Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. Oh my God. It's, it's <laughs> you know, it was, you've got Kathleen Turner playing Chandler's dad, who they refer to as a gay man throughout. Like nobody ever refers to Kathleen Turner as a trans woman in Friends. I think that, I think the weirdest thing about, I'm just thinking about the conversation that they had and the weirdest thing that I thought was said was when, and possibly the most telling was when Miranda was like, I don't get the appeal there. Like as if, I don't know, it was as if they had like chosen to kind of, they had chosen to do that in order to specifically appeal to men. And Miranda was like, oh, I don't get why men, why, do do you know what I mean? Like it was just such a, for me, that was the line that dated it the most weirdly. I was like, that is just such a fundamental, that's just so fundamentally wrong (laughs) on like so many levels and just shows. Yeah. Yeah. I had a list. I literally read, I read down a a literal list. I was like, let me get, so I can come straight with my facts. So I can say like, 
because there will be people who play devil's advocate. Like even I've watched it on YouTube. I was like, I'm not, because I, after this personally, I couldn't watch Sex and City ever again. I had the, I bought the whole thing on box set as a, a get, well, I thought I was gay at the time, teenager. And I got to this episode and I was like, I felt like these women were like my family at that point. Like these women, like, I was really suicidal. I was pre-transition. Um, I had no friends and stuff in school. I watched it and I felt like these women were my family. And then to see them like, talking like this about like I wasn't out as trans at the time but I was LGBT and th- even pre-transition even before I understood myself as trans because I didn't really understand what trans was like them in the show I understood that there's right and wrong and that you just don't talk like this is our community like these though these women are gay icons they are not gay themselves they are not Jimmy they sh- they don't have that right to be talking about people from our community like this so I just I smashed up I didn't even sell it I didn't even go kex with it wherever it's called sex I didn't even try and uh, flog that I was like fuck these hoes I am pissed I was so angry and it's like I wrote down all the and there's just so many and it's like I don't even know where to start but like it was I think where to start for me is like the because you could kind of watch the episode and think, wow, Samantha's the right bitch. Like, why is she being so mean to them? But like, for me, it was the fact that the protagonist, Carrie, who's kind of the voice of reason, like the, the narrator, she opened it being like, there, I wrote down, um, there they were, Samantha's friendly pre-op transsexual hookers. And it's like, and then it was half man, half woman, totally annoying. And it's like, well, where do we start? Because first of all, why did, how do you know they're pre-op? Did you see their dick? Like, how do you know? Why did you have to throw that in? Who, who, what the hell? Then it's like, um, the fact that she says they're friendly but then goes on to insult them and then it's like the half man half woman thing that you've said that is a, like a recurrent like a recurring motif throughout it saying like Samantha knew how to get what she wanted from men and, and, and implying about them as well it's like oh just like so so many things the fact that they allude to the fact that the men they like aren't straight These Samantha said these pseudo straight men from New Jersey it's like wow like wow like, I just don't know I don't know where to start I genuinely I watched I couldn't so last night when I when you were like can you watch the episode before we review and I remember it so I was like I'm just gonna because I can't watch Sex and City now it's like ruined for me but I thought let me I'll just watch the YouTube um, clip of this all the kind of compilation of the transphobic bits in it and I went in the comment section stupidly to see like I wonder how people are reacting to today and people were literally like up to like it's I didn't read comments from like maybe like eight, 10 years ago. But I thought from like five years on, like, cause we've had the tipping point at that point with Laverne and Caitlin and everything, Janet Mock and you, Juno and everything kicking off. Like, so people have a better understanding of trans people. And even up to like five years, two years in the last year, people were commenting like, basically trying to like gaslight and trans people as if it's like not transphobic. Oh, it's just a TV show. Stop being so sensitive. Oh, this isn't transphobic. Yes, Samantha, her man in bed was so hot. Da, da, da. Like, it's just like, I just couldn't believe. It. And this is, if you think about who's watching Sex in the City on YouTube, it's girls and gay guys. It's not, it's not straight guys. So it's like, it's so hurt. It hurts my heart. It hurt. And I had to get in bed after. So I was like, can't even finish the rest of my day. I was like, I can't even do another email. I was so upset. It hurts. It hurts. And it's tough. And you know, Carrie in two seasons' time has the goal to go to an LGBT ball with Amanda mm. Lepore. How dare she breathe the same air mm. as Amanda mm. Lepore after this? But do you know what? I'm gonna assume the worst of Michael Patrick King, I think. I think Michael Patrick King had not spent an awful lot of time with trans people because I don't think he could have written this episode otherwise. I think him and his bougie gay friends who have recently moved to and gentrified the meatpacking district of New York, observed this, like, oh, my God, like, you'll never guess who lives in our neighbourhood. Not just sex workers, but transgender sex workers, because, of course, the episode is very anti-sex work as well. Mm. Um, You know, and, 
yeah, I mean, Mar- um, Samantha is horrible to them. Mm. I mean, mm. yes, it's annoying. I wouldn't want anyone screaming outside my window either. But it's that what's really striking, and now we would refer to it as punching down, like all all of the sex workers are women of colour as well. You know, mm. so we've got these yeah. four incredibly privileged women cackling their heads off at the notion of transgender sex workers. And I think it is as important as Charlie says, because 20 years later, yes, we've come on light years in terms of representation. And and now I don't think there's anybody in the world who couldn't name a trans person. But we also find ourselves in a very different conversation, this very toxic conversation with TERFs, which if our listeners aren't aware, because I mean, actually, TERFiness is quite a British thing. So if we have listeners from America, Australia, a TERF is short for it's a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I don't really use TERF a lot because I don't think it's very feminist. I don't think excluding a group of very vulnerable women speaks of feminism. So I tend to say they're transphobic or trans-exclusionary. I don't think there's anything feminist about it. Um, And the, the whole thing around transphobia in the UK, and particularly coming from women... Because I think men just think we're gross and disgusting sometimes. And that's the kind of transphobia you get, like, lol, it's a man. Lol, is that a wig? Whereas the conversation with transphobic women tends to be about, oh, you're half man. Or, oh, do you have a penis? Or, oh, you know, and it very much challenging the notion of what is a woman and who gets to call themselves a real woman. That kind of representation is what has led us to this point now. You know, with this sense of their way, Charlie's right, you know, they were, rightly or wrongly, Samantha Carey, Charlotte and Miranda were feminist role models. You know, they got to set what a woman was. And Mm. for six seasons and two films, they set the agenda. A woman's right to buy expensive shoes whether or not Miranda should become a partner, whether or not Samantha should be single, you know, whether or not Charlotte should give up work to marry a very rich man, which of course meant the concerns of minority women were never featured. The very specific concerns of women in poverty, the very specific concerns of women in sex work, the very specific concerns of black or Asian women, and the very specific concerns of gay and transgender women were all but ignored by this show. And that is kind of the problem with still 20 years on holding Sex and the City up as some sort of feminist playbook mm. and I think that's I think it's why sorry what you just said just made me you just gave me a thought Juno I think it's because I was thinking about like Samantha's character and I thought Samantha is Samantha's character shouldn't be transphobic no she's not that person so it, and the reason she is is because it was like a rich, sheltered, middle-aged gay man writing her character. And that's why it's so important. Um, and thank God it's happening a bit more now, but still not enough. That's why it's so important to have people behind the, the right people behind the camera and the right people writing shows. Mm-hmm. Because imagine how amazing this could have been if like Janet Mock had written it. Or like, ima- or, or like if you had written it. Or like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
that's yeah and, that and at the I time that just wasn't possible janet muck was mm. stealth within the industry at that time janet muck couldn't <clears throat> even come out as a trans woman and um, she was mm. she was she was um she did not disclose the fact she was trans at the time, even though she was working in TV. Um, I mean, we've mm. changed. Things have come on. You know, just last weekend, I would encourage, if you can, if it's still available on Now TV or wherever, is watch the most recent Euphoria special, which was co-written by Hunter Schaefer, who is the transgender actress who plays the character of Jules. And there you have a 22-year-old trans woman musing really philosophically on what it is to be trans in the 21st century you know you know I've designed my whole life to appeal to men and now I don't want to you know really interesting conversations we weren't there 20 years ago and that's why you know there's there's lots of conversations around Harry Potter and you know read a different fucking book if you're only going to read one fucking book for the rest of your life you're just going to get the same stories about those three fucking white kids you know sex and the city we <laughs> love sex and the city but for god's sake watch something else as well because <laughs> as we've learned when it comes to race sexuality and gender this show is shit i don't think we should give samantha enough uh, um too much credit saying i don't think that she would be like because we said oh i don't think she'd be transphobic well maybe she would because i really saw when i watched one of the scenes that hurt me most was at, when they're at the party at the end and you know they throw the, as if to make it all better they throw the little party and what hurt me is how and I and this is why I think Samantha would be that girl is because I get treated this way now in 2021 or we've not been out of the house in 2021 but in 2020 I was still being treated by turfy women like this where they would or not even turfy women just women where they would um because what hurt was when they were all slagging off the trans girls across the route like they were all standing in a different part of the in the party they were like looking at them and talking about them and saying and like talking about them really really rudely and then the trans girl complimented Carrie on her dress said yes miss thing worked and she clicked her fingers and Carrie and the, and the other girls had the cheek to be nice to their face and be like oh yes and clicking these white girls these fucking dry these dry cis straight white girls middle aged dry in every sense of the word white girls clicking their fingers at these uh, women of colour trans women and, it, and, and it's like oh my god this is literally how tra- I and all my trans friends have been treated where these posh um, and, and the thing is turfy stuff is a very posh thing but these middle class dry women will like slag you off and think you shouldn't have rights and think you shouldn't be in the bathroom but then when they see you they'll be like yes oh click my fingers yes hanty stanty mama like and it's like it pissed me off so much because i'm like at least have the backbone to like call them a man to their face but you'll like tell them oh i love and they and the thing is they'll accept all the compliments from them as well like they, they won't even return them and be like oh you're fierce as well they'll just be like i know i'm fierce and my pussy like it's like fuck off carrot like i was i was so pissed off that they didn't attack that i was like please i was like i just i wanted samantha to get dragged so bad but even carrie even miranda like I was just so it's like so it just that's the thing that I think hurt me the most is because it's an experience I've had where like women will be like think you're not the equal to them but then they'll be like so like clicky their fingers and talking like a drag queen to you I don't know if you've experienced this as well and I don't know if Dylan has seen it out and about as well which is and again a gay guy wrote this episode which is some people some gay men and some cis women regard trans women as very dedicated drag queens yeah, yeah, yeah. Dedicated. 100%. So, like, we're, we're like, 
some sort of subset of drag kind yeah. of yeah do you know what with that with that rooftop oh. scene i never i have never hated them more than that because they reminded me of the worst and you will both know what i mean what i mean by this and you've kind of just said it charlie but like the worst people who you would see at a drag show mm. were the were were the were the four of them on that rooftop and just when like do you know what pissed me off the most was when miranda was like talking about the drink that she was having and she was like oh her destiny made it and like laughed at the name destiny and i was just like mm. fuck you <laughs> like fuck you mm. i, I hate mean you, miranda. Th- there's, there's a whole um, other conversation to be had about carrie's carrie's sudden shift into being a latin american woman at the end into, you talking to I mean, me no. So embarrassing. It's like prime toughness, and it's so weird because like this concept of toughness didn't exist when it was out, or even when we were watching it. Like I watched it like for the first yeah. time. I didn't watch Sex and City when it was out because I was like, I shouldn't have been watching that. But like, I watched it as a teenager myself. But even like 10 years on from then, like now, it's like toughness wasn't created, but like watching it, it's like you are pro- like textbook turfs, like middle class women. Because let's think about it, turfs are pretty much all middle class, working class women, black women, people ha- who have actual problems are too busy worrying about who's using toilets, you know, that they have actual problems, not going to brunch and bitching about trans women. Like that's all they have to do is go to brunch and bitch about trans people. And it's like textbook, like, oh, and they're not, I found hilarious as well. <laughs> I had to laugh. Is Samantha being so grossed out? Remember the, the one that trans girls was like if you don't take your dick out she was talking out loud and saying if you don't take your dick out my butt I'm gonna shit on it and Samantha went to breakfast and was like is it, she was looking repulsive it's like it's the most disgusting is that not the most disgusting thing you ever heard and I'm like Samantha have you ever heard yourself in every other episode like you got chucked yeah. out you got chucked out of your house for being a slag like you are the biggest <laughs> slag and good for you because I'm a fucking slag myself but like how dare you like act on respectability politics like oh these disgusting trannies saying arson like the, literally we could quote like a million other more sexually uh, disgusting things Samantha said but coming from a cis woman who's like white and blonde and goes to brunch it's okay but when a trans girl says it it's, it's just a it was a whole mess like at least be consistent messy I messy mean, messy there's, there's nothing to be said and this is the second time it's happened this season the first time was with the bisexuality episode yeah there's nothing we can say to redeem it it is it's irredeemable no. you know it's it's transphobic um i think 99% of the people listening to this podcast will be like fucking hell there will be yeah. one person in the comments who is like lighten up honeys and because they said the same thing when we criticized the bisexuality episode as well and i'm um you know i remember once we we must have mentioned jk rowling on the podcast and somebody was in our mentions as well and i'm like why are you listening to this podcast it's literally 50 yeah. percent a trans says, woman you know <laughs> it says so much that even in our even in like the the kind of venn diagram of people who listen to this podcast even then there are still people um mm. anyway hi to those people <laughs> no bye to those people Bye. Um, yeah. Um, the good news is, let's. So I think what we have to do is we need to just bench Samantha's storyline, and when we come back from the break, we're going to pretend that bit didn't happen, and we're going to talk about Carrie, Big, and some nice roosters. We'll be back in two okay. minutes. <laughs> This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week, we're talking about season three, episode 18, Cock-a-doodle-doo, and with our special guest, Charlie Craggs. Um, okay, it's... Interesting that Samantha wasn't in this week's episode. What, what a strange, yeah, but... what a strange episode. There was no Samantha storyline. Um, Carrie, um, <laughs> meanwhile, has a blast from the past in a scene which I actually really like because it's so excruciating. Miranda and Carrie run into Aiden and Steve. Awkward. Oh, yeah, on the pavement. Awkward. On the pavement. And Steve's girlfriend looks exact. Well, doesn't look exactly like Miranda, but has short hair like Miranda. He has a type. Um, he likes a tall woman yes. with short hair. Um, <laughs> yes. But this leads this leads Carrie to have surprise, surprise. Carrie has an existential crisis, which leads her to think: if our boyfriends are all moving on, and we are still the ones who are round Charlotte's on a Friday night, unpacking her books of self help. She comes up with the question, is it us? Which I think is actually Mm. one of the best questions Carrie asks because it's so open-ended. And I think actually for the second part of this week's podcast, I quite like that now Dylan and Charlie and I are going to share with you our worst features, which, (laughs) because maybe she's right. I'm going to, so this is a completely different context but we have we have a friend who I adore very much who is constantly having the same situation in their workplace and it keeps coming up time and time again and it has become really really clear that it's them (laughs) this situation it keeps coming around and after a while you know initially oh my god your boss sounds like such a bitch oh my god that's awful I can't believe your colleagues are being so unkind (laughs) it's them Um, (laughs) and after a while 
when when you you know find yourself back to square one when it comes to a partner after a while you do have to start thinking is it me Mm. I'm just trying to think I anticipated we would talk Mm. about this and I'm trying to think if I've had experiences of this nature realizing that it's me making the same mistake over and over again and I think that I have and it was dating people who um, we're out on London's gay scene. That was the that was the problem. <laughs> I think we could get Chris in to answer this question. What's mm. wrong with Dylan? <laughs> um, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> and what what about you, Charlie? What do you what do you think? What do you oh, think God. you're doing wrong? Well, I know we're not supposed to bring up the trans thing again, but my thing was definitely linked to being trans, and in that, I and I only realised it really recently, actually, like in the last year, I realised I was going for the wrong sort of guy as in like kind of a bad guy like I'm not even into I actually like a good boy I always liked a good boy bad boys don't really do it for me but what did it about the bad boys and why I'd always go for them is that and it's not even that they're necessarily bad but I just mean okay how do I unpack this but basically like boys where I'm from so I'm working class they're not even bad boys really because I wouldn't go like a bad boy but boys like who live on estates like that I live on and stuff um I'd go for them because I realized like if they are proud enough to walk down the street or not even the street, walk down their estate with me and they're not like telling me to walk 10 steps steps ahead. It means that, I mean, people listening to this can only hear my voice. They can't see me and my voice is horrible and manly, but like it meant that I I knew I could pass and that was really validating for me. And I was like, Oh, like that makes me, if it it just made, it let me know like that he saw me as a woman. It made me feel like the woman I am. And it's like, it just, it, it, I don't know. I felt validated by it. and, And it's, I kind of realized I was like, that's all they were giving me. Like, is that kind of validation, but not it, nothing, nothing else. Like I, w- I just, I was happy in that kind of, oh, like he's, he'll walk down this, the, this estate with me. But it's like, is that really what you, all you want from a, from a relationship slash life, Charlie, like someone to walk, walk in the street with you? How low is the bar? How like, you? but honestly it was, that was enough for me. Like until recently I was like, that's, and it's just, yeah, I just kind of realized I was like, oh, like, I'm like, I don't need, I don't need that external validation anymore. I've kind of, I've, I've kind of worked on myself and I've kind of come to the understanding that like, no, like, I, I don't care. Which the is, bar I don't know. is a it's stick a bit, upon the floor. Yeah. And only gas can slip underneath the stick. I will say the same, which is actually that for me was the first test of trans dating, which is if you will not be seen in a brightly lit daytime cafeteria with me, then then we, we're not even going to get to see if there's more. So actually, I think don't don't sell yourself too short. I think actually that is when, when you're a trans person dating, unfortunately, you do have to vet the... Yeah. Vet the ones who would keep you in the shadows for your own safety, which is if, if you've got a guy who's like, oh, no, I, I will only come around to your house by the dead of night. Yeah, That yeah, is somebody yeah. who is potentially going to kill you, you know, and yeah, that is yeah. the reality of trans women, which Samantha can't recognize Mm -hmm. um my issue and i say this with a few years on both of you was about dylan and charlie both know me quite well i'm really organized like i have my pencil case packed the night before school (laughs) you know and i inherited that from my mum. i'm very ambitious I'm very sorted my career is sorted my life is sorted I wanted my boyfriend sorted 
And so I would meet some. You were like Charlotte. Yeah. I would meet someone and I'd be like, yes, you are appealing. You are my new boyfriend. This is what we're going to do. And rightly, they were like, wow. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, my agent does what I tell her to do. Why would I tell you to do? (laughs) And treating treating men like your employees... I mean, that's quite a that's quite a mood. (laughs) Well, it was I was that episode where Charlotte decides to apply her professional outlook to her dating life was was quite familiar. And so for me, I knew as soon as I had addressed this big issue of my gender, I was like, "Great, okay, now I'm ready for love because I love myself. So now I can find someone to love the woman I am." and so, so it really was a case of this can't happen fast enough. But of course, in the words of the wise prophet Diana Ross, you can't hurry love, you know, and and it has to happen organically. And I think I did fall into that. And actually pre-transition as well, you know, if I met someone I liked, I would be like, let's lock this down. You know, let's really make this official, you know, go public on Facebook and you need to come meet all my friends and no, 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 chill. Because actually a lot of them were really not great. A lot of them were not the one for me anyway. We had nothing in common or, you know, we're on different levels. And and it was just kind of like, right, he's good looking and available. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm trying to think if... So it's, is it us? I think so. The answer, I think, is it's not us because, <laughs> <laughs> because we're amazing. Um, no, because I think, well, I think that when you're younger, it's you, isn't it? But I think that the three of us have probably been around for long enough now that we know what the deal is and we know how to navigate things to do what's best but for us. And, I think for the most part. You and Chris were quite young when you got together, though. Mm, yeah. But then I had been dating since I was like 18, so. Fair. I was, I was well. a late starter. In that I did, a late bloomer. I didn't really get going until I was 20. And because I went to university in Wales, that was a choice. Mm. Girl, I didn't get started until I was like 23, 24. I like, I noticed I was like, I'm not dating until I'm trans. Like, I knew I was trans and I was like, I don't want to date. I don't want to have sex. Like I, I was like textbook trans, gold star trans. With this big man voice that brings Gold me down star. a bit. <laughs> Gold star trans. I think, yeah, I, think I, I hear that from a lot of from a lot of younger <laughs> trans girls, which is they want to get their transition sort of done first and then not deal with the dysphoria of kind of dating pre-transition. Um mm. I was like a really, really late bloomer um in that regard. Um Thanks, Juno. <laughs> No, no, and I was no, no, I'm joking. I didn't start my transition until I was thirty. I was thirty when I came out as trans. So um, oh, I didn't like, realize that. Wow. Yeah. Good for you, bitch. You look really good. Dead. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I turned forty this year. It's terrifying. Fuck off, Juno. No. You look incredible. My nighttime routine is quite in depth. <laughs> Maybe I start a separate a separate <laughs> podcast where I talk listeners through my skincare regime and um, the blood of virgins. Um. I don't think I don't think it's us, but I think it's not not us. <laughs> Does that make sense? So you know, so don't get me wrong. Whoever you date, they're bringing all their bullshit to the table as well. It's everyone, yeah. It's everyone. yeah. 
Um, it's everyone. And of course, the next time we see Aiden, he's not still with Jessica. Is he still wearing double denim though? The next time we no, see him. No, the next him? time we see him, he's lost about three stone and is wearing a suit. Oh yeah. Um, I I actually related. I really 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 like the argument with Miranda and Carrie. I felt it ra- it yeah. rang really true. There comes a point where you lose patience. You can't keep having the same fucking conversation, even with yeah. your best friends. <clears throat> I've never picked a fight with my friend in a vintage clothing store that I'm aware of. I have every once in a while said to a girlfriend, girl, how is this happening again? Kind of like, yeah. like he's not good. Like, yeah. he's why? why? Or, you know, kind of like, you can be so sympathetic. You say, look, you know what I'm going to tell you you know, you need to put the credit card down because this is really dangerous now and you're in debt. You know, there's a million ways you can have it, but it's not realistic that four women who spend as much time together as they do are never going to fall out about anything. I think when someone in your life, whether it's a friend or a family member says, has to get involved and be like, babe, I'm losing my patience. That's when you know it is you. Like when you know, like someone's getting, like, if mm. someone other, other, when someone other than you is getting irritated at your situation, that's when you know, okay, maybe you are the issue. Like, I think Miranda was, I think Miranda was right as well. Yeah, for sure. It's funny now because we've got the hindsight that we know big comes good. So I've, I've like tried to rewind my brain back. And I remember at the time being like, what the fuck? Was it not this season you told Big you needed a new word for over? And yet eight episodes later, she's agreeing to go for lunch with him. I don't love the fall in the river. It's a bit... Mm, it's quite... It's very It's very rom-com, isn't it? It feels like it belongs in a different show. Yeah. Yeah, slightly. that's true, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Bridget Jones is... It's very Bridget Jones's diary. Oh, my gosh, yes. Um... So again, Max, my fiancé, who I've trained so well, at the scene where Miranda storms down to scream at a Chinese woman, um, Max just went, white women. (laughs) I was like, yay! (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about Miranda verbally abusing also she's like a she's a stereo- massive stereotype as well the the chinese yeah woman. she might as well have had chopsticks in her hair at, at this stage yeah. it was not great as a whole white feminism like i saw a comment on the youtube video of the transphobic clip and it was like this is like top tier white feminism and i'm like there's so many like clips when you watch sex and city back that you are like this they are really like very white feminists who are just like there's so much like racial microaggressions like trans like even just oh just yeah very that very very that how dare this woman who is bringing me food laugh what a Mm -hmm. bitch it was it was when i remember juno said it said the same thing didn't you about white feminism when was it some one of them calls like a wooden chair oppressive or something? And you and you were like, Girl. "Yeah, that is what that's." <laughs> Girl, oh my god, that's right. Was, that was Natasha. Yeah. I don't know how you yes. like this clunky wood. It's so oppressive. So oppressive. Natasha is being oppressed by her furniture and no one else. Um, <laughs> oh my god! And actually, this is the perfect segue into. Carrie's final voiceover quote at the end where she says don't worry they have a very lovely life no they're, do they they're, carry they're probably murdered like they were probably like, murdered realistically realistically yeah with- like 
and no thanks to you, you fucking bitch. Like, yeah, they had a lovely like, no thanks to their fucking cunt neighbors who were like calling them men behind their back and like normalizing transphobia on TV. No thanks to you, Carrie Bradshaw. Calling the cops on black people. Don't call the cops on black people who carry guns. Or don't don't throw water over them either. So rude. So I just wanted them to get dragged so bad. They would have been dragged if this was real life. You can't be acting like the way they were acting to these girls. Like you really think some like sex worker trans sex worker not even tra- like the amount of like tr- like shit these women have been through that you think they're gonna take some shit from some posh lady coming outside her house like oh my gosh no no ma'am well my well. dear dear friends so we we've we've gone irate um we have we have answered Carrie's question, but it feels it's sad to me that we've had to finish season three on such a sour note. I think there will be listeners who have listened to this episode thinking that it was all a bit of fun. Um, I hope, even if you think that we've gone in really hard, that you at least appreciate where it is we're coming from. Um, Go. You think that was hard? Come to my Instagram after this goes up. I'll be going really hard. You think that? <laughs> you think this was hard? When Dylan and Juno aren't, I'm not shouting in their ear. Then we'll be going hard. How dare? Like I'm not even started. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is, so before we go, actually, we call this the plug slot. So, Charlie, I'm so, so excited because you're about to have a documentary on the BBC. What, what are you allowed to tell us? So this episode will be going out in like four weeks. So we will be in March. Oh, it might be out by then, which is exciting. So, yeah, it might be out already. Um, so the documentary is called DIY Trans Teens, and it's about the kind of state of affairs right now in the UK where, like, the waiting list for all trans people, but even more so for trans uh, teenagers, is like it's like five years to get a first appointment to even discuss transitioning but it's painted in the media as you go to your gp or young people children go to their gp and next week they've got a vagina so like it's basically breaking down those misconceptions that are being painted in the media and just meeting these young people and seeing what they have to go through buying hormones online like feeling suicidal like it's hopefully just gonna just help the public see how things really are in just a really how, like how did you film all that during the pandemic was did you have to was it really tough it was between lockdowns, so we'd have to still be masked up and do COVID tests and stuff. It was like, it was not a very fun experience. But um, mm. uh, yeah, we like we got around it that way, kind of by filming when we were legally allowed to. So get behind it on iPlayer and they might show it on BBC One and annoy all the tests. Annoy Samantha, I'm sure she'll be at home throwing buckets of water at her TV. Now here's what what I will say. Okay, to let's just, let's try tease something positive out. We have now seen the writers' room for the new series of. Well, it's not called Sex and the City anymore. It's going to be called and just like that. And it is a much more diverse writers' room. It's young. There are women of color mixed with some more veteran TV TV writers as well. Now I don't think this episode would happen. Now I, I oh I of course not. That, They're not stupid enough. I say that, but I think, do you know what? If it was some crap British, let's not forget, it's not that long since Graham Linehan wrote that horrific episode of the IT crowd. You know, that episode of the IT crowd where Matt Berry kicks the shit out of a trans sex worker was only about, I think, eight years ago. So actually, it's not unthinkable that that level of bullshit would still happen. But I don't think it would happen on American TV because I think American attitudes are actually more progressive. And I think... Looking at who we're talking to now, you know, Cynthia Nixon has a trans child, (laughs) you know, it's not going to happen now, you know, and that that's, 
that's what's happened in the, the elapsing 20 years. Cynthia Nixon has a trans son. So it's not I don't know if you know that now. Sorry, God. Did you know that the reason she has a, a trans child is because of this episode? Like God saw this and God was like, "You, you don't know the appeal. I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna fuck it. You want it? You die for it. I'm gonna give you the appeal. You're oh gonna, you're gonna see the appeal. Honestly, that's what happened. God, I'm a Christian, and God told me that's why He did it. So you can tag her in this. And on that, and on that note, and on that note. <laughs> And just like that. Um, and just like oh that. Oh my God. Charlie, thank you so much. No, <laughs> thank you for having me. Three seasons later. <laughs> thank you for having me, guys. Charlie, whereabouts can we find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Charlie underscore Crags on all social media platforms and Bumble, Tinder. <laughs> no, yeah, you can find me at Charlie <laughs> underscore Crags or on iPlayer. Watch my documentary, DIY Trans Teens. And Charlie's book, To My Trans Sisters, is out. Well done, Juno. Thank you for thank you for doing my job for me. Thank you, babe. What do you know what we should do, Charlie? We should get you to come back on and watch an episode that fills you with only joy. Mm. And, and one that doesn't have any flaming transphobia. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's done. Charlie's done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I was. I snapped those DVDs about ten years ago. I'm done. Like I'm. I've logged out. But oh, do you I know love... what? You should. You should come back for the second movie. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have such a vision. What I want to do is when when it's finally time to do Sex in the City two, I want to hire like the King Prince Charles Theatre in Soho and oh get on stage a panel of all our guests from the last three years and just all of us just go in on that go in. to a light to a light <laughs> oh my god please start a crowdfunder for that that would be everything that would be so good so we've reached the end of season three so that as is customary there will now be a, a short break while Dylan and I muster up the enthusiasm to watch more Sex in the City and talk about it every week um, yeah but actually, here's the secret. Dylan and I really love doing it, so I'm sure it won't be yeah. long. But during our little yeah. hiatus, stay safe, look after each other, and we will speak to you really, really soon. Until then, bye for now. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.